I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Good morning again. I will be preaching from, obviously, Philippians chapter 1. And I've entitled this sermon, Paul's Extraordinary Love. And as I was sitting here this morning, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. You know, when I, when I think of him, he's a strong leader. You know, he rebuked Peter. Uh, one of his companions wasn't uh, doing well <clears throat> in mustering up with what he needed and he sent him away and then didn't want him to come back. And I know I, I've, I've so often think of Paul being forceful. And uh, as I've been studying this week, uh, I've discovered, at least for me, Paul's extraordinary love for people. This book of Philippians, Paul, just some background here, Paul established the church there on a second missionary journey. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, there's a lot of details, too, uh, about that journey and about um, Philippi. On that second journey, he received an extraordinary call in a dream to go to Macedonia. Paul and Timothy were traveling together and desperately wanted to go to Asia. But as it said in Acts 16, they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And then in verse 9 in chapter 16 of Acts, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. He had specifically, he was specifically directed by the Holy Spirit to go to Macedonia. Philippi was the city that he went to first. And he developed a special place in his heart for these people. They were a small group. When he first got there, they didn't even have a synagogue. They met by the river, mostly ladies. This church was poor financially, but rich in their commitment to the Lord. They possessed an unwavering commitment to Paul and to supporting his continuing ministry there and as he moved on. Paul wrote this letter in prison in Rome. And his circumstances did not affect how he felt about the Philippian brothers and sisters. I personally am amazed at how much Paul loved the Philippian church. 
who did not spend a lot of time there. They were a very small group of believers. They were also very poor. You know, it really didn't seem to be too much there for, to draw Paul, for him to hold on to. But in this passage, we see and hear an extraordinary love that he had for those people. Kind of a small church plant, I would put it that way. If you remember anything about Philippi, Paul was beaten there, and he was put in jail. The Philippian jailer and his family all got saved. But you see, even in that, um, you know, I don't know about you, but if I got put in jail for preaching the gospel and was beaten, that may not be the place I would want to go back to very quickly or would have a deep love for, but Paul did. In the passage that um, Annabelle so read so well, uh, Paul's love and care for the Philippian people, this should be also an example of us as we act, how we act, and how we should feel about people around us. So from our text, we want to look at how Paul expressed his love to these people. First of all, in verse 3, he expressed his love and his thankfulness. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. At this point, it had been 10 years since Paul had been in Philippi, but he still felt uh, extremely close to the people. And it said there that he thought of them often. He thought of them often. At every remembrance, he thanked God. And we all probably have had close friends or family members who have moved away. Or maybe you are here and you're away from family and friends. Uh, and I think we all have been there. But the distance and even the time does not diminish the relationships. We have friends in New Zealand. You almost can't get any further away from here than New Zealand. But we have great friends there, many miles. And it, they actually visited with us last summer, but it had been years since we had seen them. But the distance and the time never changed their hearts towards one another. We never missed a beat. We uh, quickly picked them up at the airport, and by the time we got back to to Stanton in the Churchville area, we were right like we had never been apart. Um, and I challenge you with this. Think about a person in your life. I suspect anybody at least my age and older, uh, we all have friends that we either time or distance have been separated. Think about those people, as Paul said here, and pray for them and thank God for them. I do know this, that they are a great gift from God to you, as our friends from New Zealand are, are to us. And in every remembrance, thank God for them. Those memories that last two years, 10 years, 20, 30 years for us with these friends from New Zealand, those remembrances are still sweet. And thank God for all of those things in your lives too. Paul said in verse 4, Every time, uh, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy. Every time they came to Paul's remembrance, it brought great joy to his heart. And he prayed earnestly for them and their partnership in the gospel. From the first day of Paul's ministry, 
uh, in Philippi, this tiny church poured, uh, poured out financial support to him and his ministry. Remember now, it's a tiny church and they're poor. Tiny and poor. But you know, when Paul went away and, and called out and said, you know, the church in Jerusalem has need. The people of Philippi were the first to give and send money to the mother church in Jerusalem. They gave money there. They also were the first to support Paul in his ministry. And later on, they sent money again at a later date. You see, when Paul left Macedonia, they were the only church that supported him and provided financially for his ministry. Paul's prayer for the Philippians were offered with great appreciation, thankfulness, and joy. And I was, as I was preparing, I was thinking about this poor church. And I remember back in Luke chapter 21, the, the widow and the two mites. And the Lord said to her, out, said to the disciples, out of her poverty, she gave more than all of the others. This church, I believe, was the same way, and Paul knew it. They were giving out of their poverty to him, that his ministry might continue. In verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the, until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's confidence is much more than a human hope. It's an abundant and absolute confidence that comes from knowing and believing God and His promises to begin and complete His work in believers. Salvation is wholly God's work. And for that reason, its completion is certain as it were already accomplished. Paul expressed thankfulness to these Philippian brothers and sisters. He loved them, and he wanted them to know how thankful he was that they were part of his ministry team. Paul also expressed his love and his affection towards the people. He said, I have you in my heart. What are the things that we store in our hearts? I know we store our relationship with Christ first and foremost. What other things do we store? Love for your spouse, your parents, your children. Things that are most precious we store in our hearts. Those things that no matter what may come, they will always be constant and consistent because we store them in our heart. They can't be taken away no matter what the government might do, no matter what the devil might do. Those things we store here will remain there. I remember in the scripture where it said that Mary pondered these things in her heart, things that she saw, things that she heard in Jesus from his childhood till the cross. She pondered those things in her heart. She stored them there. And they would be 
there for her, to encourage her, to strengthen her, as Jesus lived out his life in public ministry. She stored those things that were going to make a difference down the road. That's what we should be doing too. But you see, it was not hard for Paul to cherish the Philippian believers in his heart. Because, all they, because of all they meant to him, he could not have thought of them in any other way. He loved them. Inasmuch as both in chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Paul affirms the Philippian church and their selfless, as they selflessly and sacrificially stood by Paul to give him encouragement, to help alleviate his suffering, and to meet his needs in every way that they could. They were his spiritual partner and partakers in the grace of Christ with them. You see, Paul was in chains in Rome. But they, were, but they still shared the same grace that frees them from sin. Paul was in chains of men, but free from sin by the grace of God. And then Paul said, I long for, for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. To long for. To long for is to have an earnest desire. A deep longing. So I wonder, what is it that you long for? What is it that we long for? You know, we, we would obviously say, well, we long for the Lord's return. Yes, we would. But I long for one more day to share the gospel also. But I'm thinking practically, what is it that we long for? And I, I thought of an, of an example here. I, I think of a soldier, I was watching a documentary yesterday on D-Day, and I wondered about the soldiers at war. Soldiers even today, maybe not at war, but away from home. Longing to come home. Desiring earnestly to come home. And then flip that over. The families that are here, longing for the return of their sons or daughters. That's what Paul is speaking of here. He longed to be back with those men and women again. He longed to be united with his Philippian brothers and sisters. He missed the fellowship with his fellow believers. And he never was able to go back. Paul called on God as his witness to attest to his heartfelt longing for the Philippians with his affection for Christ. I also want to point out here, uh, he said, I long for you all, all the believers of Philippi. No exception, he was praying for all of them. They all were the objects of Paul's great affection. Reflect, reflecting Christ himself with no partiality, looking to those individuals. And I would even say this, knowing Paul's heart of evangelism too, when he wrote this letter 
It was written to a church in Philippi. It was written to you. It was written to me. It was written to believer and non-believer. When he spoke of all here, I believe he spoke of all men and all mankind. With no exception that he loved them with the love of Christ. There's no one left out. No, not one. No partiality. And that's the way Paul loved the Philippian people. And then Paul also expressed his love in his prayer for these special people. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. To abound. To abound is to be fully supplied and overflowing. A cup full and more. A heart full and more. Overflowing. I'm reminded of Psalm 23 when the psalmist wrote, My cup runs over. The psalmist's cup run over a blessings from God. Our cup should be running over, full and running over, a blessing in the love of our God. And when it overflows, what do we do with it? Do we cut a trench and let it run into a drain? No. What overflows, we give to others. The love that we receive, we give away. And as we give, we receive. As we receive, we give. There's a constant flow that God desires to flow into us and out of us to others. There's no one around you, there's no one around me, that doesn't deserve all the love that God has for them. And God wants to use us as that instrument to share that love on others. Paul does too. If Paul does it as a representative of Christ, and we should be doing it as Christ's representative also. So he prayed that, it, that the love would abound and overflow. Not being satisfied where they are, but being willing to go further and deeper in love for Christ and love for others. If you have stopped growing, then you have stopped flowing the love of Christ to others. We must continue to grow in the love of Christ and love for others. Paul had been 10 years away from the Philippian people and never got back there. And he still had this deep love that at every thought and remembrance of them, he remembered who they were. I suspect he remembered many by name. But he knew the people, he knew their heart, and he knew that the investment God had put in him to put in them they were investing in the lives of others. They were growing, and we must continue to grow too. The result of this great love is a greater knowledge of Christ and a deeper insight into the things of God and into the things of others and into the needs of others. It's amazing how when we're in love with Christ and we begin to express that love for other people, it's amazing to me how God will speak into our hearts 
and into our minds. Maybe a need that someone has that we could not have known unless we had invested uh, and loved our God and loved other people. Sometimes people share those things with us. Many times God will speak to us and say, you need to go talk to that one over there and pray for that one over there. And they will pour out to you what it is. Maybe that's burdened them that God wants you to carry and share a burden with them. One thing for sure uh, of this, and that is that the love of the fellow Christian is a sure mark of saving faith. My favorite passage of Scripture, John 30, 13, 34, and 35. I'll just touch on 35 here. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, for one another. You want people to know who you identify with? You love your fellow believers and you love other people. And you identify with Christ without having to say so. He says it right here in his words. All will know that you're my disciples. When it says all, that's not just all believers, that's all mankind will know. You're my disciples if you love one another. In verse 10, he said, Approve the things which are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. To approve means to study, to investigate, to verify, and to determine the best possible way to obey and please the Lord. And then uh, to live according to that. To approve, I'm going to say it again, to approve is to study, to investigate, to verify the, the validity and determine the best way to obey our God and to please Him. And then uh, to live according to that way. And He says, you, you be this, you be sincere. To be sincere is to be genuine, truthful, of great spiritual integrity. Be sincere. When people see you, they should see Christ. You be truthful, you be honest. You be men and women that walk in integrity, above reproach. And he goes on and says, be sincere and be without offense. That means to be blameless, not falling into sinful conduct or not causing others to fall also, but to move forward in life without moral failure. And he says to do that until the day of Christ. That's when Christ returns to take his people home. That may be for some of us when he calls us home individually. For some of us, it may be when he calls the whole church home. But we're to be sincere and without offense until Christ comes and calls us home. And verse 11 says, Being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of our God. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, many people are very familiar with this. It speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. 
bear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I, as I, even as I'm standing here thinking, I, the first one he uses there is love. And I believe this, without love you can't do the others. You can't. I think that's why love is first. But that is the fruit of righteousness. And it says, against such things as this, as we do these things, against such things as this, there is no law. These fruits come through Christ and not by humans, not humanly generated. So understand this too about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, if you're not a believer today, the fruit of the Spirit, you can love, you can have joy, you can have peace, you can have patience, you can have all of these things, but you can't have it to the full because these things are generated by a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want perfect love, if you want true love, if you want perfect peace and true peace, it only comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. These fruits are designed to produce and exhibit our love relationships with our God and with others. And we should do that to the glory and praise of our God. We have been made fruitful for the sake of His glory. And we should do all for the glory and the praise of our God. We've looked this morning at how Paul expressed his great love for the Philippian people. We've seen that he showed his love through his thankfulness for their partnership in ministry, for the investment that they continued to make into his life and ministry. When most would look at the church and say they could not afford the investment, the truth was they, they could do without a whole lot before they would do without investing in the kingdom work that Paul was doing. My challenge to each of you here this morning is to translate Paul's love for the Philippian people into our love, because when I say y'all, I mean it's me too, our love for those around us. Be thankful to the Lord for those people that God puts around you. But I want us to be mindful too, to be thankful for those that God put in our past for me 30 years ago in Germany where I first met my friends from New Zealand. For the people that God put in my life like them the pastor that he put in my life 35 years ago that invested in a new believer that was fearful, fearful, fearful to speak even in a Sunday school class of 10 people, no, I'm not going to do that because that was not who I was at the time. But those people that challenged and encouraged me, those are the same people that challenged 
and encouraged you. Who are they? Identify in your mind who those people are. Some of them, like me, i got to go way back there uh, to not leave anybody out from beginning to the day. Many seated in this room right now have been those people that have encouraged me and walked with me in difficult days and encouraged me. And you listen, if you've been a believer more than a day, you know of people that have invested in you. Praise God and thank God for them. And thank God for those people. Pray for them. You never know when you pray for them today. Maybe today is the day they need that special touch in prayer. But I also challenge you to love from a sincere heart that truly desires God's best for others. Truly desires God's best for others. I prayed earlier for Pastor Todd as he preaches in Churchville this morning. Um, I pray for that man with a sincere heart that today he would make an impact in that, in that small church meeting in a field behind the firehouse, that today would be a revitalized church because God spoke through a man to make a difference in that little community just west of here. And I also challenge you to pray for that your love would abound more and more. You know, as I get older, sometimes I think I, you know, my body says you can't do that anymore. And if I do it, I pay for it for a day or two with sore muscles and bones. Some of you are there. Some of you will get there before you know it. But um, your body many times will say, no, you can't do that. Never allow your heart to say, no, you can't do that. In loving and caring for people. Pray that your love may abound and be fully supplied and overflowing, making a positive spiritual impact into the lives of others. Paul's love for the Philippian people was extraordinary. Let this be the same love that you express to the Lord and to others. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that in the midst of our circumstances today, some in this building, some in their homes, some in their cars, some on vacation, I don't know where they are. God, I thank you that you're ever present with them. And Lord, I pray, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters that God, our love, would be an exact representation of your love for others. God, help us to pour out to overflowing what you've given us. Continue to fill us that we could give that love to others. And Father, I pray, I, I want to pray for those today that if in their heart of hearts, and they would be sincere in their own heart, they would say today, you know what? I don't have that living, breathing, walking relationship with Christ. And the love that I can know and experience today is not complete because I don't have Christ. So if that's you today, pray a prayer simple like this. 
Dear Lord, I, I need to know your love to the full. I surrender my life to you. I give my life and heart to you. Fill me to overflowing with your love and your goodness and grace. I do confess that I have sinned, and in my sin I have failed you. But in my failures, I cast those things upon Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. I ask forgiveness and I receive it in Jesus' name. Lord, make me to be an instrument that you will use from this day forward to bring glory and honor to you. Lord, honor us in this place and around this world with the peace, the presence, and the power of a holy God residing in us and exuding through us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you for joining us today.